I wonder, what was Zebedee feeling as he watched his two sons, James and John, walk away, possibly forever? Maybe it's because um, my own boys are getting closer, and uh, I can see from here that day when they will walk out our door, and it is way too close. And so all week, I just can't shake, I can't shape. Shake the look on Zebedee's face as he watches his boys go. Uh, most often, I think, with this passage, we've, uh, we spend our attention uh, maybe with Jesus and the calling of these disciples, uh, wondering, what, what did he do to get them to leave like this? Was it a, a look in the eye that we haven't quite captured? Or was it a particular emphasis on some of the words of follow me and I'll make you fish for people? Because there's not very many words there. Maybe it was um, months of conversation that were catalyzed in that moment. Or we spend um, our attention on James and John, wondering what it's like to follow a call like that, and, and the text is pretty clear about this, immediately. Were they just bored being fishers? Were they ready to see a slice of the world bigger than this bywater of the Galilee? But Zebedee, uh, for Zebedee, often when we think about him in this scene at all, it is uh, feeling a kind of a pity for him for having lost a lot of his workforce. <laughs> but this last week, a biblical scholar helped me uh, just turn the story just enough to see it from another angle. And so I've been wondering, what if, what if uh, Zebedee saw the possibility of his two sons being able to fulfill a dream that he never got to? Or what if uh, Zebedee had been waiting for the anointed one? the chosen one, and he too sees that it's Jesus, but he can't go, and so they can. Or what if Zebedee knows the lives that his boys are meant for and knows that they're going to need to leave the boat to live them out?
Natalie Conway remembers the exact place where she was when she got the call from her brother telling her about their family's genealogy. She was in church. But we can get even more specific about that because when Natalie Conway got this call from her brother telling her that um, their great-grandmother was an enslaved black woman named Hattie Cromwell and that uh, Hattie Cromwell had lived on the Hampton Manor or Hampton Plantation. She was sitting in Memorial Episcopal Church in Baltimore, Maryland. But we can get even more specific. Because when Natalie Conway received this call from her brother telling her that Hattie Cromwell had been enslaved by the Howard family, including one Charles Ridgely Howard, an Episcopal priest. Natalie Conway was sitting underneath the plaque at Memorial Episcopal Church honoring Charles Ridgely Howard as a priest of that parish. It was hard news to receive. And uh, Natalie wasn't quite sure what to do with it. And then there was more. Because uh, as she started uh, sharing this news, she found out that uh, Steve Howard, a parishioner that she had known for some time now, was in fact the great-grandson of Charles Ridgely Howard. There they were. And they had to, to figure out what to do next. They and uh, the clergy of Memorial Episcopal and the people of Memorial Episcopal, as they came to this really hard news, and they began to wonder, what does it mean to leave the boat? And follow Jesus. The 20th century scholar of myths, Joseph Campbell, learned of uh, this pattern that emerges when you look at the narratives around quest from all across the world and throughout time. He noticed that at the beginning of something, people experience a shift 
in the center of gravity. A shift in their center of gravity. Something uh, compels you forward before you realize it, and then, and then you have to make a decision as to whether or not you will follow. I have uh, found this to be true in my own life and in the lives of those that I've pastored with. Whether this comes at a, a time when you're exploring a new relationship or you're coming to understand a, a new vocation or you have been handed some particularly hard challenges that you need to cope with. Or you've heard a truth, a hard truth, that will upend your life. And you have to decide, uh, do I continue to go forward or do I step back? You kind of look behind you and into the boat that you've always known, and then you look ahead at what is unknown, and you have to answer the question, am I ready to leave the boat and to follow Jesus? For Natalie Conway and for Steve Howard and for the people of Memorial Episcopal Church in Baltimore, Maryland, the answer was that Jesus led them and led them to the plantation or the Hampton Manor in Towson, about a dozen miles from their church. And not just them, they... Uh, Memorial is a, a largely white church, and so they invited a nearby historically black Episcopal church, St. Catherine's, to join them. And so it ended up being about 50 people, about 25 from each congregation. And they took a bus out to Hampton Manor, and um, they began to pray. They prayed for forgiveness. They prayed for reconciling love. They prayed that their hearts would be opened. And they prayed that truth would be known. And then they blessed some water and they took that holy water and in pairs went to the, the grave sites, most of them unmarked of the slaves who had died there at Hampton Manor, and, and they began together to pour water at the graves. And the last pair that poured that water was Natalie Conway and Steve Howard together. Now that was... Um, but the beginning. Because uh, they, they continued this incredible, heart-rending, but spirit 
led process. I kept coming to these moments of, are we, are we ready to do this? And I kept saying yes. And it was and has been so hard, but so true. And so uh, they've learned more about the past of Memorial. They um, learned that, for instance, during the Civil War, well, leading up to it, uh, Stonewall Jackson was a prominent parishioner, and that several members of Memorial uh, joined him in the fight in the Civil War, uh, fighting for the Confederacy, which is kind of stunning when you remember that as a state, Maryland fought on the side of the Union, which means they had to leave their city, they had to leave their state to volunteer. And then uh, they, they learned that, um, that minstrel shows were regularly played in their parish hall until the 1930s. And that in those 1930s, it was prominent leaders of Memorial who wrote the ordinances for the city of Baltimore, redlining areas of the city, making it impossible for a black person to own property outside of that area, and especially... <laughs> In any area near Bolton Hill, the neighborhood that Memorial Episcopal Church sits in. The laws that those uh, Episcopal leaders wrote were emulated by cities and towns across the country. Cities like Oakland and Berkeley and Albany and El Cerrito. You see, we're all caught up in this. We're all caught up in this, in this country, this body that has been fractured from the birth of this nation. We're all caught up in a country that was founded with white supremacy. And with racial division that fractures us to this day. That by God must be healed. And this is why Natalie Conway says that she continued down this path. Because it was not for her about shame or blame or guilt. But a desire to uncover the lies. To take hold of the truth. Because it is the truth that sets us free. God. God led the people of Memorial Episcopal Church back into their history. Natalie Conway and, and Steve Howard, like all disciples, 
were led on the path of mutual vulnerability, mutual courage, and mutual transformation. This is always the path that Jesus leads on, and and we see this in our gospel today because when Jesus says, follow me, what does he follow, or what do they follow Jesus into? They, They follow Jesus throughout the Galilee, and we are told in this passage and what follows that people came from all over. They came from all over to hear this good news of the realm of God and to be healed. We're told they came from all of Syria. They came from Jerusalem, the Decapolis, beyond the Jordan. There were all kinds of people. They were there because they wanted to be healed. Friends, I am, I am a little scared to leave this boat. I am all too familiar with these nets. I'm a little afraid of what I might have to leave behind. But then I look down the shore. And I see all kinds of people there. And they are being healed. They are being embraced. Together, they are being made whole. And when I see that, and when I know it to be true, I cannot wait to follow Jesus and leave this boat behind.